go on yeah, a trip. Yeah, let's go on a trip. Yeah, baby. It's not too bad. What was the question again? <laughs> okay, let's go. I'm Angela Caterns. I'm Ian Rogerson. And welcome to Suddenly Senior. This is a podcast series for those of us who've reached a certain age in life. That's right. You can join if you're not our age, but it'll be a lot more fun if you are. <laughs> so strap yourselves in, check your blood pressure, light your spliff. Pour yourself a small bevy and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jane Caro is a woman known for saying what's on her mind. She's a Walkley Award-winning journalist, a social commentator, author. Uh, she's written t- over 10 books. Uh, she is running for the Senate in the latest election, which we're going through right now as a country. Jane Caro, welcome aboard. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Hello, Jane. It's lovely to have you. You know, I've always admired your um, your forthrightness, your outspokenness, and I wonder if you've always been like that, or is that something you've grown into as you've grown older? No, always been like this. My <laughs> entire family is like this. I was brought up to uh, speak clearly and I was the one of four kids. Uh, we used to sit around our dinner table at night and we had discussions about ideas and issues from a very early age. And, um, you know, the great thing was we were listened to and respected, but we had to be quick. We had to be succinct. We had to get to the point. And we had to be direct because there were a lot of people competing for airspace. So that taught me, get to the point. Don't dilly-dally. Say what you've got to say, get off. And and you've run with it too, Jane. I mean, the amazing thing is that you have continued to strive. You're not slowing down. I get the feeling you're speeding up. Yes, I think I am speeding up a bit. And I think it... It happens. It happened to me anyway. I don't know about other people as they get older. When I started to realise that I didn't have all the time in the world, you know, that there's a limit. And therefore, if you're going to do stuff and there's things you really want to do and you think are important, uh, no time to waste. Do it now because you don't know how long you've got. Mm. So, yeah, I, mm. I actually think that the recognition that time is telescoping does kind of turbocharge you. Mm. And so was there a, was there a moment when you really realised that you were suddenly senior, Jane? Yes, probably. Interestingly enough, I wasn't particularly um, phased about turning 60. That was fine. It was 50 that I found a little bit confronting. Um, And I thought to myself, 50? I just can't imagine being 50. Of course, now I think 50 is impossibly young. Uh, But back then I didn't. And um, I, uh, that, that made me think. I'm more than halfway through my life. I'm not going to live to be 100. So I've, I've, I've shot over the halfway mark, if I'm lucky, you know. <laughs> and um, that is when I started to speed up. In fact, it's, it's when I left advertising, I think, around about then. And I got that opportunity to go on Gruen, which was really fantastic. And uh, I took off from there, basically. Mm-hmm. Focusing yourself as you are. Um, are, are there any sort of little tips you do? I mean, like a, as far as you'll work up to a certain point of time in the day. I mean, where, I'm trying to think of where's your downtime, Jane? <laughs> oh, I get lots of downtime. Not particularly at the moment because it turns out that having a new book launch when you announce a career you want to uh, pitch for politics, ouch, that does fill your calendar rather um, excessively. In some ways that's a good thing and in other ways I'll sleep after May 21. But um, usually I do, I'm very good at taking downtime. I've um, always said I'm either on 100% or I'm off and that means I'm doing sod all. Um, I don't have a dimmer switch. 
So um, I'm, I'm quite good at saying I've done enough. So with writing, for example, I can manage to do about three and a half hours of productive writing work, then I'm going to be rubbish. You know, I've kind of lost the oomph, the creative spark. So I can do a bit of admin and then I'll go and watch some trashy telly without Mm -hmm. shame. (laughs) I think that's the great thing as you get older. You lose your shame. You do lose your shame. I think that's... I think that's a common theme that we're hearing throughout this series of podcasts, Jane. Um, What about invisibility? I would suspect that you are not invisible as some of us feel as we get older. For a start, you wear bright red glasses. (laughs) You have fabulously (laughs) blonde hair, bleached blonde hair. I see you're not invisible at all, really, are you? No, I've ne- I know I'm not invisible. Um, I know that. And I also know that that's a privilege. And I know that one of the things that older women in particular experience very quickly is sudden invisibility. Um, and the older you get, I mean, my mother's 90 and she is more or less completely invisible, she tells me, that people are almost embarrassed by the very elderly. It, 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 you know how sometimes some people treat people in a wheelchair? It's almost like the same thing. They treat the very elderly in a similar way as if they're not really there. Um, So I'm very aware that that exists. I feel very fortunate that um, really more by good luck than good management, um, that has not happened to me. But I know that it will Mm. if I live long enough. That's sort of a daunting thing, isn't it, when you you think, oh, hang on, I've only got a little while here before I disappear. (laughs) Uh, And really, I guess that's what this whole show is all about. What do you, what, you know, how you, you sort of pack it all together and get the most value out of it. Um, and, and you've just thrust yourself into the public milieu in a major way. It, it, it's, a, it's a challenge, isn't it? It really is. It is, and yet at the same time, not, not as much as you'd think. One of the things I have learned as I've grown older is that most fear is anticipation. So most fear is when you imagine what might happen. If you'd stop doing that and just say yes and do it, um, you find none of the things you worried about actually happen, a whole set of things you never worried about do do inevitably, Um, and actually it's nowhere near as difficult or scary as you thought it might be, and you grow into it. So what I did learn was drop the anticipation, stop anticipating, just do the bloody thing. The worst thing that will happen is you won't do it very well. Then you'll have learnt. Don't do that again. (laughs) That's right. So do you have any ailments that you like to talk about or do you prefer to, you know, keep them quiet? Oh, no, very happy to talk about my ailments. Um, Plantar fasciitis I'm suffering with at the moment because, of course, that will flare up just as I'm promoting a book, travelling all over the place, um, going to events and making speeches and, you know, haven't got a minute to sit down. Of course my plantar fasciitis would decide to literally bite me on the foot. Um, I also have a Morton's neuroma that flares up every now and again. That's from a lifetime of wearing high heels. I'm not giving them up. I'm five foot tall and shrinking. Um, So damn you, Morton's neuroma. I will not give in to you. Can I say it gets better? If you if you do your exercises, Jane, it will get better and go away. I know. My podiatrist has told me that. It gets better, that, though it comes back again. That's the problem. It's oh, intermittent. Okay. Um, but otherwise, I'm pretty fit and healthy. I, I feel like I've got as much energy as I ever did, though my grandchildren, who Ooh. I adore, exhaust me more than any amount of debating politics. <laughs> 
So, so I mean, what do you think about the idea of a sort of a, a third chapter in one's life? Uh, you know, are there still things that you, you, you're starting at this point in your life and things that you want to achieve? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I am fortunate enough to be elected to the Senate, that's a whole new adventure um, and a steep learning curve, I'm sure. And uh, I'm certainly looking forward to getting that opportunity if I do. Even if I don't, just running for the Senate has been an extraordinary experience and continues to be stimulating and I learn a great deal. So, you know, every ex- no experience is wasted. Um, and I I will go on writing books. I mean, um, the mother is has encouraged me enormously because it's actually a bestseller, which is really exciting. And I've never written one of those before. And um, so I've now I'm, I'm bitten by the uh, fiction bug and will continue to write books. And that is one of those things you can do no matter how old you are. I mean, as long as you maintain your your um, mental um, agility and, 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 and ability, then you've actually got more to say as you get older because I think you do understand more and you're willing to take more risks, uh, I think. And let's face it, running for the Senate is a huge risk in many ways because you, you have a public profile and everybody knows you, but moving into that area is a really different one. You are suddenly right in the focus of virtually everybody and, and you know, people are going to be really opinionated about you. Oh, yes. I'm, I get asked at the moment all these extraordinary questions about, um, you know, policies I've never heard of, uh, things that are going on that I don't know anything about. But one of the things I have learnt is never claim to have all the answers. I don't claim to be an expert on absolutely everything. I don't have all the answers. Um, Mostly I have a lot of questions. It's a steep learning curve and it is going to be challenging and I am already being asked questions that I don't know the answer to um, and don't understand, but that's okay. I then go and find out about them and I don't expect myself to have all the answers. I think politicians often go wrong when they try to pretend that they have all the answers to everybody's questions. I have one plan if I, as I run for the Senate and if I get into the Senate and it's the same plan I have for everything I do. I'm going to be as much myself as I can be. I'm going to be as honest and straightforward as I know how to be. And yes, I'll make mistakes. And yes, I'll get things wrong. So what? If you're looking for perfect candidates, you're going to be looking a long time because there aren't any. So I'm just going to be me. Talk about being yourself. Is that is that something that you get better at the older you get, Jane? Yes, I think you do. Certainly for women, I think it's quite um, revolutionary suddenly realising that seeking other people's approval is a crock of shit. You will make yourself miserable. You will, t- you will pretend you're something you're not. You'll get hung for making other people's mistakes because you take their advice about what you should do and it turns out to be rubbish. Much better to get hung for your own mistakes. I've often said to people, look, there's no right way to be a woman in this society. And when you're young, you're desperately trying to find that right way. You know, how do I find the way through where everyone likes me and approves of me? And then you suddenly realise as you get older, that's never going to happen. So I may as well be as completely wrong 
in my own way as I can be. So I just go ahead and be me. Some people hate me. I really get up their nose. Well, that's their problem. I don't care much. Um, I don't, I'm not even angry with them. You don't like me? Fine, stroll on by. But some people really like me. So that's great. And I'm happy with that. Um, but even if nobody really particularly liked me, I'd go on doing what I do and being who I am because that's the only way to live. You can't try. And I keep saying to people, particularly young people, because they're gorgeous, but they're so anxious. I was terribly anxious when I was young too. Um, I keep saying to them, you know what the secret is? A, there is no secret, but the other B is you're fine just the way you are. You don't actually have to change anything about yourself. You don't have to get thinner. You don't have to get prettier. You don't have to have Botox. You don't have to be smarter. You don't have to change anything about how you are. You're fine. You just have to believe it. As soon as you do that, everything gets easier and people like you better. There is such a fantastic tip for somebody through life. And it does take you a long, long time to learn that to just be yourself. And was there a point where that really clicked in for you? Is it something that happened over the last couple of years or has it, it manifested itself much earlier? It manifested itself much earlier and it was the product of um, having a florid anxiety neurosis for about from my early 20s until I basically was a mother, parent, and um, I had to learn and, and I had a very unpleasant introduction to parenting where my first child almost died and it was a very difficult situation. In dealing with that situation, I talked to someone at Camperdown Children's Hospital, which is where we then were, who was um, a neonatologist but also a grief counsellor. And he said to me three sentences that began to change my view of the world. I've never forgotten them and I've lived by them and they are these three sentences. There's nothing special about you and there's nothing special about Polly. That's my daughter who was then um, hovering between life and death. She's 34 now and a mother herself. You'll be relieved to know. I certainly am. Yeah. Um, there's uh, danger is reality. Safety is an illusion. Terrible things can happen and they can happen to anyone. And what that did for me was it made me slowly, because it doesn't happen like a magic wand. It's a sort of, you know, it happens over time. But it made me understand that I was trying to control the uncontrollable. One of those things that's uncontrollable is what other people think of you. You can't actually control what other people think of you. That's up to them. Um, mm. So that went along with a whole mm. lot of things. I was trying to control things I couldn't control, and I started to learn what I could control and what I couldn't. I lost my fear of flying because I realised I'm not the pilot. I can't keep the plane in the air and I can't make it come down. Just sit there, enjoy the wine, eat the snacks, watch the movie. Look Good out passenger. the window. Actually, that's, yeah. that's a great tip, isn't it? Be a great passenger in life. In life, you don't, you don't have to control everything and you can't. And, yes, the plane could crash. It's unlikely, but it could. Mm. But if it does... Deal with it when it happens. Don't anticipate the crash. <laughs> Fear of flying is imagining what might happen and thinking. The worst. The really yeah. awful thing about that kind of anxiety, mm. which I had, is that you do two things that are completely contradictory and therefore really screw your head up. The first is you worry about what might happen as an attempt to stop it happening, as an attempt to control it. But at the same time, by worrying about it, you fear that you've conjured it up. 
that you might make it happen by worrying about it. Actually, you're not that powerful. You can neither stop it with your thoughts nor make it happen with your thoughts. So a lot of losing anxiety actually is humility. It's recognising just how little control and power you actually have over the world. So you just start to concentrate on what you can control. Like I can control writing my books. I can control deciding to run to the the Senate. I can control those things. So funnily enough, by letting go of all that energy you waste on things you can't do anything about, you suddenly have a whole lot more energy available for the things you actually can make a difference to. And it happened out of real danger that I learnt the reality of the fact that we're clinging to a rock hurtling through space. This is a really fragile existence. So just get on with what you've got. Get on with it. And so, Jane, have you ever been – there's a lot of talk about ageism at the moment. I wondered if you've ever been subject to ageism, especially given that you worked in a what I would have thought was a pretty young industry that's advertising. Oh, yes, I've been subject to ageism constantly. It continues. Um, I think I've lost a lot of work and opportunities because people have gone, I'm just a bit old, don't you think? And, you know, I'm sure that's happened. Um, I won't name any names or any particular things, but, yes, I mean, code for that often is we want to refresh the lineup. Um, and oh, yeah. yeah, we want to refresh the lineup. It's it's the move on from private schools who say you don't fit the culture. Same idea. Um, but this one is a is you're too old, and nobody wants to fuck you anymore. Um, and that's fine. I don't want to fuck them, and never did. Uh, that's what they never realised. Uh, so, you know, yes. Ageism is real. Ageism exists. I am still having to remind people all the time. People who don't like me, sometimes, unfortunately, uh, younger feminists will try to put me down by saying I'm old. And I go back to them and I say, that's not an insult. It's a statement of fact. Um, And unfortunately, I have to tell you this, you are going to be old faster than you ever dreamt possible. I love the name of this podcast, Suddenly Senior, because Jesus hits you, you suddenly go, holy shit, I'm 50, you know, Um, and it happens. (laughs) When you're 25, you think it'll never happen. Oh, yes, it will. (laughs) Oh, yes, if you're lucky. And can I ask you about the... What you said about the younger feminists, it interests me, you know, because I heard somebody else say, oh, you know, young feminists don't get on with old feminists. And is that true? No, it's not true. By and large, we get on really well. I mean, I I get on tremendously well with Grace Tame, for example, um, you know, and and, and a lot of the younger feminists um, and, and we... Yasmin Poole, um, we get on really well. In fact, I think to some extent sometimes they use me as a bit of a, you know, a, a, a mentor in, a, in a, um, a totally informal sense because when you're a feminist yeah. and you're out in public, you get absolutely, like, abused and, and castigated and insulted and trolled and even your friends turn on you sometimes. It's just what happens. And you need to talk to someone who's been through it and can empathise and tell you that it will pass and all those things that older feminists can do for younger feminists. And by and large, I think we get on pretty well. But of course there are exceptions. Of course there are. You know, feminism is a very broad church these days. I used to joke that it was a broads church. It's that as well. But um It's very broad these days, much more so than when I was young. And so, of course, there is the full gamut of people in 
who would call themselves feminists. Some of them are absolutely lovely people and some of them are, well, let's be kind, absolutely <laughs> batty. Um, and, <laughs> you know, mad as cut snakes. That's just humanity <laughs> in all its infinite diversity. So, you know, when, but I do like to remind people that calling someone old is not an insult. It's, it's actually a badge of honour if you think about it the right way. And I, I think what all this comes down to is you, you have very interesting ways of thinking about things, Jane. And I, I think that's obviously so obviously coloured who you are and, and all that you've done and continue to do. Um, it's, it's amazing. Well, it's great. Thank you. I mean, I try to be interesting, I think, um, and I try to be interested. I think... I think I think you you don't stay interesting if you're not also interested in what's going on in what people are doing in other people's lives in you know um, the world at large and the really difficult place we find ourselves in at this particular point in history yeah. and that then leads yeah. on to wanting to do something about it and I don't think that's got anything to do with age I think that's got to do with um, a sense of social justice and uh, a desire to do the right thing, you know, be a decent person. Lovely. Jane, such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. That's fine. And if you want to vote for me, Reason Australia Above the Line in New South Wales. <laughs> I think we've heard some pretty good reason here today, Jane. Well, <laughs> thank <exactly>. you. <laughs> thank you. Please like and also subscribe. Thank you for listening. I'm Angela Caturns. I'm Ian Rogerson. Leave a comment, as long as it's nice. <laughs> if it's not, that's right. Fuck off. Yes. See you next time, Ange. Bye. And I want wine with my meds. <laughs> 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 <laughs>